And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. We have a very special show. Our special guest this evening is uh, Frank Kermit, who's calling in from Montreal, Canada. Let me just make sure that uh, Frank can hear me because we've been having a little technical stuff going on. And uh, if he can, Frank, just say hello if you can hear me. Hello, and yes, I can hear you. Fantastic. I apologize for getting you on this way, but I want to uh, let you hold for a moment. We'll clean this up afterwards. Um, let's start the show. So basically, Frank is a dating relationship coach. He's a private practice uh, for couples and singles, as well as matchmaking in the matchmaking industry. And we're going to bring him on momentarily. Let's just start off the show with a couple of things that are going on today, uh, and then we'll get right to Frank. Um, this is Thanksgiving week. We're having the show on a Tuesday night. Uh, we usually have the shows on Wednesday, but this week we're doing Tuesday because tomorrow's a big travel day. We're live here in New York City. Uh, we're on Blog Talk Radio. Guys, guys, radio. This is our 251st first podcast. We had a couple of little technical snafus the last couple of weeks, so I wanted to be sure we got this thing right today, and it looks like we have it right, so that's good. What's happening in the world out there today? Well, um, I was watching the news before, and I saw Donald Trump, our president. He pardoned a turkey named Drumstick, and of course, he made it all about himself, saying that he was uh, doing this pardon, and uh, unlike Harry Truman, who did not pardon a turkey before Thanksgiving, that, uh, that Mr. Trump is uh, much more... Uh, uh, empathetic soul. So good for him. Uh, <laughs> that's one, that's one check mark there. Um, you know, I'm a vegetarian or really more of a pescatarian. I still eat some fish, but I haven't eaten meat in like 10 years. So Thanksgiving has taken a whole different, as a, as a whole different ball game for me now. I mean, my wife also is in the same boat as is my son, my four year old son. So it's a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of, uh, you know, they make a, uh, a vegetarian stuffing for us uh, non-meat eaters. Uh, we don't eat the turkey. People bring potatoes and carrots and vegetables, and it's just not the same. It's great to see everybody in the family, but Thanksgiving <laughs> is, is certainly not what it used to be when we had a turkey stuffed with delicious meat-filled stuffing. But, uh, you know, that's the, that's the sacrifices you make every once in a while when you don't eat meat. The good news is... Uh, I've never felt better and I've never looked back. It took me about two years to completely drop the meat habit. I started out by not eating uh, lamb, pork, and beef. And then about a year later, I dropped chicken. And then a year later, I dropped all the remainder of poultry products. I've eaten fish along the way. That's the next to go at some point. I haven't gotten there yet. That's going to be a tough one. And Maybe someday I'll go vegan. That's really tough, though, because then you're not looking at dairy products or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's interesting because initially, uh, after about three weeks of uh, not eating meat, I got sick. I break out in sweats. I picked up some bronchial issue. Uh, I was getting fevers and night sweats at night. I think it might have been a light uh, form of pneumonia. I don't know. But I had to take some antibiotics and got through it. And what happens is really your body starts to detox itself. So a lot of the cells are releasing stuff into your bloodstream. And um, it does take your body about five years or so, supposedly, to actually get the meat that you're eating out of the marrow of your bones. So it's a long process. But 
when you think about it, and I don't, I don't, you know, I ate meat for years. I love a good porterhouse steak. I love a great bacon cheeseburger. But at a certain point, uh, you know, it's not that good for your health. And uh, my system is feels a lot less taxed. I never had a uh, mor- moral issue about not eating meat until a couple of years ago when I realized, like, you know what? We don't need humans don't need to eat meat to get protein. And basically, we're killing these animals, um, you know, f- for taste. And the way that the animals are raised with the, f- the factory kind of farming, if you will, of animals is really brutal. And it's not like the chickens and the hens and the cattle are roaming around. It's like they, they and pigs, uh, they have a very tough life and a lot of stress. And what happens is, as humans, we, because of today's society and mass production, we end up consuming a lot of the antibiotics that they take, a lot of the stress that's filled with their bodies. And, uh, and it, it's, just, it's just not a necessary thing and it's not a good thing, in my opinion. Uh, you might not agree. But here we are in Guys Guys Radio, uh, again, on a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, this is the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. So what we're going to do is I'm going to finish up with kind of a little bit of a Guys Guys Kerman events. We're going to do our Guys Guy of the Week. We're going to bring on our guest, Frank Meir. And then uh, after Frank uh, finishes up, we're going to do our Guys Guys Guide. And I did a uh, blog post a couple of years ago about Thanksgiving and things to be thankful for. And sometimes things that you don't like actually turn out to be things at the time that turn out to be things you're thankful for. So we're going to do that. And then we'll tell you about next week's show. We're going to be back on the air on Wednesday. So uh, what else is going on? Black Friday. You know, it's interesting with uh, the retailers uh, petrified of Amazon and petrified of cyber money, cyber Monday and petrified that, you know, the malls are all going to, you know, go under and these big retailers are, uh, in trouble and the big uh, brands uh, are in trouble. So now I've been getting emails from, uh, you know, a lot of the big companies, Levi's and lucky brand and like black Friday starts now, uh, you know, as, as, you know, as of yesterday. And I think the black Friday thing uh, go right through until, uh, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa and right through the holidays till the end of the year, because they want to battle Amazon and they want to make sure they make their numbers. And it's all about the fourth quarter in most businesses. I worked in uh, advertising and also in uh, on the marketing side for many years. And well, I worked in the confectionery business at uh, the Lifesavers division of Nabisco. And we used to make our hay during uh, Halloween. Uh, that was the big season for us. And when I worked on a lot of uh, spirits brands, like Bacardi in Finlandia and 1800 tequila and three olives vodka and Finlandia vodka and uh, Bacardi and Solichnaya that uh, the fourth quarter, that's when people buy a lot of booze uh, as gifts. And so you got to make your fourth quarter number. And it seems like that in the retail business also, they got to get the gifts. You got to sell now. So uh, if you're a consumer, and you got a couple of bucks in your pocket. You made it through the year. This is a really good time for you. I mean, I had a thing on Lucky Brand sent me. They sent me a uh, thing, 50% off, and some items 60% off. And then on top of that, because I signed up for the emails, and you can always just opt out, they gave me another 15% off. So I ended up buying something that was $139, and I ended up paying like $45 for it. Uh so it's pretty amazing time of year if you're smart and you, you know, you, there's something that you want and you've waited, waited for it. This is the time to make your move. Um, 
Guys Guys Radio has been part of uh, a whole Guys Guys brand movement where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. It started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. My website is robertmanny.com. Uh, we've got a new blog up every week. We just got picked up by uh, the Good Men Project, so we're going to be on there. So things are rolling, and uh, as part of uh, what we're doing now, a lot of our friends from the Love Coaching Professional groups at uh, Facebook have sent me some nice folks, including our guest tonight, Frank Mir. So uh, I'm going to bring him on uh, momentarily. Let me just quickly do the Guys, Guys, Guy of the Week. Um, this week, there's no Guys, Guy of the Week. And the reason why is the tip of the iceberg, you know, is uh, being uh, revealed with all of this abuse and this harassment and this bad behavior on behalf of uh, men out there. The latest last night was Charlie Rose got his due. And then everything came out about Charlie Rose. He's not a good guy or this or that. A lot of a lot of allegations against him. There's been Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein and. Al Franken, and there's a little bit of a mystery there as to what was behind all of that. But so many people, and I think this is just the beginning because they haven't even touched on the, the music industry or sports. Uh, it, it's been entertainment and uh, a little bit of politics, and I think there's a lot more to come. So we will see what happens, and it's, it's, I think it's a sea change. And uh, you know, one of the things for guys, guys, we recognize uh, the long overdue uh, uh, recognition of achievements that women, women have made and really, really thank them. And I always like to say there's never been a better time to be a guy, even though uh, this is a time where a guy can be anything he wants to be. It's never been less clear who men really are. So here we are. So let's take a very quick break and I'm bring our special guest, Frank Mir, in just one moment. Okay, we're back. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. It is uh, Tuesday, November uh, November 21st, 2017. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Frank Kermit. He's a dating and relationship coach in private practice for couples and singles, as well as in the matchmaking industry. He coaches for both mag- mag- monogamous and non-monogamous lifestyles and is an author of over 20 uh, ebooks on relationships and 25 audio programs. And he's a regular media correspondent for over 15 years. Frank has refined his skills and expertise developing and teaching his own original work based on what he calls his emotional needs analysis theories. If you have a question for Frank, call us in uh, at 347-945-5834, 347-945-5834. Let me bring him on right now. Good evening, Frank. How are you? I'm doing well, Robert, and how are you? Very good, and thanks for your patience, and thanks for calling in from Montreal, lovely Montreal. I guess my first question is, um, how is the dating scene in Montreal, and do you think it's any different than uh, any other big cities? What I can tell you about Montreal is that it is a much warmer city in terms of people. People want to connect more. I've lived in uh, Toronto which is known as a little bit more of a colder city in terms of dating, in terms of relationships. Not that people don't get together. It's just a little bit more challenging because in a city like Toronto, people are much more guarded. And in Montreal, people are a little bit more open, a little bit more libertarian in terms of their views on sex and relationships. So I think that everybody everywhere right now 
is struggling with dating because they've been given so much choice and they're not really sure what to do with it. And that is across the board. I coach people in all areas of the world, from Australia to Europe, from China to the U.S., even the Middle East and uh, Israel, and everybody is struggling with the same thing, an abundance of choice, but not really sure what to do with all that choice. So how do you advise them? I start off by asking them to be definite about certain things that they do want and certain things that they don't want. And then we look for hypocrisies. So that if somebody says, oh, I I don't want this, but I do want that, but they're hypocritical about something they want or don't want, we try to get to the heart of why they're feeling that way. So once we eliminate the hypocrisies, we can clearly define exactly what it is they're looking for, and then we identify what type of people would fit into those categories that they're looking for. And that's where we set them off on, a, on, on their new journey. Okay. How did you originally get into the uh, kind of the dating uh, relationship expert scene, Frank? Um, I really didn't choose to be in this business. It more or less chose me. I had some bad things happen to me. I got stood up at my prom, lost my ex-fiance to one of my best friends, uh, spent about two years hanging out with a woman who insisted that we could only be friends because we were uh, of a different race, religion, and culture. And one day she decides to tell me that she's getting married to somebody who's just like me, different race, religion, and culture. She uh, was honest with me about it, and I said, well, wait a minute, how long have you two been seeing each other? She says, well, we've been seeing each other a few months. I says, well, why didn't you tell me? She says, well, I don't have to tell you everything. And that night I went home and I said, okay, look, uh, I can point the finger at the person who stood me up at my prom and say, you know, and, and make all kinds of judgments there. I can make judgments about my ex-fiancee and my best friend and the betrayal. But when bad things keep happening to you over and over again, the common element in every dating dilemma disaster that's ever happened to you is you. And if you mm-hmm. don't fix you, All those bad things that happened before are going to continue to happen again. And I made a decision that night. It was either I was going to figure this out for myself or I was going to end it. And I was very serious. It was uh, not a pleasant night. And what I decided was I'm going to give give it my all. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm just going to end it all because I can't go on like this. I simply can't go on like this. So I started reading everything I could. I tried everything that I could. If someone suggested something ridiculous, I went out and tried it just to see what would happen. I Mm -hmm. journaled all of my findings. It took me three years to go from complete rock bottom to finally getting the first girl in my life to be my girlfriend. And from that point on, uh, six, within six months, I was dating five women at the same time, openly, honestly. They all knew that there were others. And because I documented everything and I tested everything, I went looking for patterns of behavior. And from there, my emotional needs analysis theories was born. Okay. Um, Eventually, let me... go ahead. 
Let me ask you, what are some of the things that we'll get to the emotional needs analysis in a moment? Definitely want to get there. What, what were some of the things that you tried to uh, along your journey to uh, kind of uh, self-knowledge? Uh, All right. Uh, sometimes it was writing out lists, and I've taken all those lists and I've put them into mm-hmm. a couple of coaching workbooks I've written. Um, there was one particular story I left to tell. I was online with some people, and this guy apparently was really, really good at meeting women and dating women, and he said, look, it's really easy. Go to the park, sit under a tree, read a romance novel. Women will approach you. Don't worry about it. I figured, okay, what have I got to lose? So I went to the park, sat under a tree, read a romance novel, and I sat there for three hours. Not one woman approached me. Not one. So I go home and I'm frustrated. I feel ridiculous. I I didn't even like the book that I was reading. I was that frustrated. I get back online and I say, look, man, I tried it. Nothing happened. Nobody approached me. Well, his response to me was, "Uh, well, you know what? Women always approach guys like that. So uh, he didn't believe me. He accused me of lying. Uh, Sometime later, I met him in person. And what I found was the guy is an amazing, good-looking guy. He were, drives a motorcycle. like He looks like an Adonis. Of course women are going to approach him if he's sitting in the park reading a romance. But women are going to approach <laughs> him just because he looks like a male model. And I do exactly. not look like a male model. So he was trying to give advice for a problem he never had. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first things I learned about mentors, and that is beware your mentors. Make sure that if they're going to help you solve a problem, that it's a problem that they themselves have had and have solved. Yep. Good, good thinking. The, the way, so the way I got into the business is that once I figured it out for myself, a number of my friends started asking me for advice. So I just give them advice. They would go out, they'd do something, they'd get a date. And then their friends started saying, hey, how did you figure it out? And they said, well, my friend Frank helped me here. So then I started meeting friends of friends, and I wasn't charging anybody any money at the time. It was just like, sure, I'll help you out. Uh, you're, my bu- you're my friend's buddy and whatnot. Uh, tell you what, take me out for lunch. Uh, you can pay lunch and you can pick my brain. Well, eventually I was going out to cafes, and I would have a team of guys, some of whom I'd never met, sitting down with notebooks open, writing down everything I said. And it, it happened so often that I, I stopped having a time to go out and date girls. I mm-hmm. said, okay, this has got to stop. This is, and I'm getting tired of telling the same stories over and over. So I decided I was going to take elements of my journal, put together a couple of e-books, put them out there, and now when people wanted advice, they can read the e-books and not bother me. The opposite happened. The more people read my ebooks, the more they started coming to me with even more questions. Okay, I'll put out another ebook so people don't have to bother me. After a while, I just decided, look, you know, I, maybe I should start charging. So that's what I did, and that's how I ended up in the business. Was not ever. It was never something I ever planned. It was not something I was uh, setting as a goal. It was more of a. Well, I just fell into it, and I figured some stuff out for myself, and people keep bugging me for help. So I like to help people, and, uh, and that's how we ended up doing it. Fantastic. Um, so what was the first ebook that you did? What was the first subject that you said, i got to get this down? Uh, my autobiography. I wanted okay. to put out my autobiography because I didn't want to, again, remember I had said 
Um, mm-hmm. I only want people that understand that they. I want them to know that I've had this problem. I Got also it. want to be clear about problems I didn't have. So my mm-hmm. uh, autobiography from loser to seducer, which is basically my journal with uh, what what happened, what I went through, and uh, some of the lessons I learned along the way. That was the first one I put out, so that way. Uh, I didn't want to keep telling those stories because some of those stories, even now, when I reread my autobiography, it, it gets me a little emotional. It's uh, I'm reading about the heartbreak as it happened because I was journaling at the time. So what you have in that book is a real account of the journal I went through step by step. So what was the toughest part of your journey to becoming a relationship uh, expert? And the thing, different things you tried uh, and all that. What was your toughest step to the thing to overcome? Realizing that what I thought the way the world was and the way the world is was two different things. And probably okay. one of the worst moments, one of the worst moments for me. Tell us about that. Tell us I, about how, how, the, how the, what you thought the world was and how the world is and about this moment you're going to talk about. Okay, the way I thought the world was that as long as you're a good person, things will work out for you. That was one of the things I really believed. As long as you're a good person, things will work out for you. And that's not the case. You see, you could be a really good person, but if you're matched up with the wrong person in a relationship, you can still end up going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. You can still end up not seeing your kids. After what had happened to me with the ex-fiance and even with that girl I hung out for over two years, I was so devastated, and I was recognizing because I saw people around me going through it. I said, this is just me dating people and getting into relationships. I'm witnessing other people losing their marriages, not Mm -hmm. being able to see their own kids. If I'm feeling this much pain now, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle the kind of pain that they're going through. So that was a big fear of mine that motivated me. And the realization is, look, you can be a really good person, but even a good person can make bad choices, and you're going to sure. suffer the consequence for, for every bad choice you make. You know, you being a good person doesn't stop life from saying, yes, you are a good person, but if you made a bad choice, well, you're going to have to suffer for it like everybody else. So that was, that was the realization, that it's not yeah. enough just to be a good person. You also have yeah. to make good for yourself, yeah, smart choice. It's called free will, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, now, the worst moment for me. Oh, okay. Go ahead, you want to ask go, no, no, go ahead, Frank. The absolute worst moment for me was the moment I realized because part of my journey was I wanted to get my ex fiance back. That was well, That's originally what set me on this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we had dated for about three years. We broke up. It was a really, really devastating thing for me. And I spent a number of years working on myself to get her back. And seven years later, from the time we broke up, seven years later is when I did finally get her back. Wow. And we were to, well, hold on, hold on. It's fantastic in the sense of it gave me a chance to get closure on what was a very devastating relationship in my life. But here's what I learned, because we got back together, and it only lasted a couple of months. Uh, and, and that was the hardest moment for me, recognizing that two people with the best of intentions can really care about each other. And, you know, 
Uh, look, my ex-fiance made mistakes. So did I. Okay, there's no blaming here. I'm not bashing her at all. Fact is, she's really a great person. I have I have nothing but but you know uh, good intentions for her now. I got a good place in my heart for her now. We're not together. Uh, we're we're friends on a peripheral. Uh, but I have I, I got to make it clear that even when you got the best of intentions and you really care and you have an affinity for one another, that's still not enough to make a relationship work. Mm-hmm. And one of the last and most difficult lessons I learned was, even at your best, you're still only 50% of a relationship. You cannot make up for what the other person isn't bringing to the table. And just because you are constantly trying to be a better person, that's not enough to make a relationship work if you're with someone that you're simply not compatible with for a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And well, that so- night, is like, it was uh, it was devastating. It was uh, reliving the, the very first night that sent me on this journey, and that was the hardest lesson that I had to learn, the most unpleasant, the most painful. But once I was able to simply accept the reality, I had to take full acceptance of the reality of it. Um, as painful as it was, it was also a very freeing moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting that. Uh... It's great that you you needed to get back to. It sounds like you needed to get back to your uh, ex fiance, even if it was to ultimately end in uh, not working out. At least you came, you got that out of your system. You learned some lessons along the way the second time around, particularly, and then you had your closure. So I guess it sounds like uh, first of all, you're you're a sensitive man, uh, and I say that in a good way, and you're also sensitive mm-hmm. to the needs of others which is a good thing too. And you're self-aware. So you understood what was happening to you. Uh, you know, even if it was in some of it was in retrospect, you, you got the learning you needed to get. So congratulations. It's a good thing. And you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about later in the guys, guys guide is sometimes things that you, you, at the time they happened, you weren't thankful for like getting dumped or whatever turns out to be good things because uh, that's exactly what happened to me. Somebody broke up with me and I, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. So, you know, it, that's, that's how it works. You have to be open, self-aware and uh, just keep rolling. Right. Exactly. And uh, by the way, uh, just for a moment here to anyone listening who is celebrating Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, uh, yes. Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving on a different day. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Um, I would agree 100%. It's difficult in the moment to recognize that the bad thing that you're experiencing uh, is actually has the opportunity to make you a better person. Mm-hmm. And I want to use I want to be clear that it's not an automatic thing. If something bad happens to you, it's not an automatic thing that it's going to make you a better person. There is an opportunity for growth. <laughs> okay, there is an opportunity for growth. Uh, when I'm coaching someone who, let's say, has gone through a trauma of some kind, first and foremost, you need to heal from that trauma. And going through a trauma doesn't automatically make you a better person because without the work behind that premise, without the work behind the premise, it's going to make you a better person. You stay the same person or sometimes you go in the opposite direction. You spiral down into into a different level where it becomes even harder to climb your way out of it. Mm-hmm. So so when something bad happens, it's not automatically going to make you a better person, but there may be an opportunity somewhere in there 
for you to say, okay, in order for this never to happen again, what is it that I must learn? Yep. And that's a wonderful question I ask myself every time something bad happens. Uh, look, this is happening to me because I made certain choices. I've got certain be- repeating behavior patterns. What's the thing I need to learn from this? And the thing, whatever that thing is, once you learn it, it'll put you in a position where you never have to go through that again. Or mm-hmm. at the very least, if you are going to go through it again, you're better equipped to cope with it. Okay. Let me ask you this, Frank. You, uh, And then we'll get on to some real specifics. But you have something that you developed called the emotional needs analysis. Tell our listeners about what that is and how you uh, work with somebody using that. Okay. Uh, here are some just basic premises. Emotional needs are about what you respond to. It's not about what you like or what you think you like. You may have the intent in your brain, I want to date a nice person. And then you get out into the real world, and a nice person is interested in you, but you don't feel anything. You don't feel the chemistry. You don't feel the pull. You don't feel the attraction. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. And who do you end up saying yes to? Who do you end up going after? You go after the people that are probably not very good for you. And that's what the emotional needs is all about. It's identifying the things you respond to. Because once we understand, well, when someone says, why does this keep happening to me? Well, you are following your emotional needs programming, whatever that may be, that is drawing you towards people that you keep end up having this experience with. You can't base it on your feelings. We have to go back and work on reprogramming them. So the first thing we do is that we look at the emotional needs. We also remember men and women each have a different set of emotional needs. We respond to different things. Sometimes a man will have emotional needs that are normally attributed to women. Sometimes women will have emotional needs that are normally attributed to men. That's okay. As long as you understand what the source is and finding someone compatible with that. Okay. Um, Here in the States, uh, when I speak to the uh, female uh, dating coaches and relationship experts, they to a person have told me that the biggest issue they deal with when they're coaching women is that they need the women to kind of dial down their masculinity um, because they're so uh, driven at work that it's hard for them to kind of turn that off and be, you know, go to lady school after work. Um, what I hear about men is that, um, Women want men to be men, but a lot of times they're not letting them be men. And so the guys are just kind of acquiescing. And then the woman becomes frustrated because the guy's not, doesn't seem to be stepping up. But what's happened is they've kind of squashed the guy in some ways. Talk to us about some of those things. Okay. So what we're looking at here is when a woman is looking for a man to be a man, chances are what she's looking for is a man to be assertive. Okay, she wants him to be assertive. She wants him to step up. Now, if she is very, if she has, let's say, a more masculine trait because she's aggressive in the workplace, that might be her means of survival. So I would not tell a woman to dial it down because if that's the way she has learned to survive, I don't want to take that away from her. I will go in there and say, okay, bucko, you want to date a woman who is very career oriented. That's good. You need to understand that the character traits and the behavior patterns that she uses with you probably have served her well in other areas of her life. 
Now, if she wants a man who's more assertive, she's basically saying, and let's be clear about this, she wants a man who's more assertive with her than she is with him. One of the other emotional needs of women is trust and honesty. But there's a very specific, very specific way to play this out. He has to be willing to be honest with her to the point of being willing to upset her. This is where the men in the situation you described are violating her emotional need. He acquiesces, as opposed to saying, no, I'm being honest with you now, and I don't like this behavior from you. So if you continue to behave like this, you're going to push me away. Most men won't do that because they don't want to upset a woman. Exactly. The man's <laughs> intentions are good. The, the man's intentions are, listen, I, I don't want to upset her. I want to have a good time with her, and I want to exactly. show her that she's safe with me. Okay? Mm-hmm. The problem is, when you acquiesce to the point of being a people pleaser, although your intention may be an honorable one, the intention is I don't want to upset her, I don't want to be mean, I don't want to be aggressive, those are all good attributes. But it's the context that you apply those to. When someone is behaving in a way that you're not happy with, part of being honest is to be honest to the point where you say, I don't like this from you. Now look, I want to do this. If you're on board, great. If you're not on board, that's fine. But if you continue to be, and we're going to use a specific example of if she's being aggressively masculine towards him, he needs to verbalize, hey, I don't like this, and you're going to push me away if you continue with this behavior. She may not like what she hears in the moment, but she'll respect it. She may not like the fact that he stood up to her, but she'll be turned on because, wow, there is a man who's a challenge. Here's a man that I can't push around. One of the reasons that women will sometimes do it on purpose, okay, she's testing him. That's my title of my book, Everything Out of Her Mouth is a Test. When she's testing him, Think about it like this, okay? How can a woman drop her guard and feel safe with a guy who's not even willing to stand up to her? No woman is going to feel completely safe being vulnerable, being her true self with a man, if he's not even willing to stand up to her. Now, I'm not talking about getting aggressive. I'm not talking about being violent. But if you simply verbalize in a calm but stern tone the way you would with a child who's acting out, you don't have to spank a kid. You don't have to really yell at the top of your lungs. But you do have to speak in a calm and stern voice, and children will understand that now you're setting a boundary. When a guy is too afraid of upsetting a woman by being completely honest with her, that's when he violates her emotional needs. Because she's already thinking, and this is on an emotional level, it's not conscious, it's what she feels in the moment. How can I feel attracted to this guy? How do I know he's going to be able to protect me? He can't even stand up to me. Well, here's uh, something, here's a type of situation that can happen, because I I don't disagree with what you're saying, Frank. Um, But uh, when, when you're at the beginning of a relationship, a lot of these tendencies, these behavioral tendencies begin. And it's it's uh, difficult for people to kind of draw the line in the sand when they're just getting to know each other. So let me give you an example. Uh, a woman, uh, uh, a guy does his research. He asks the woman out. She says she likes 
Spanish food. So he finds a great tapas place and he wants to invite her there. And he says, I got this great idea. Let's do that. And uh, she's, she's thinking oh, that she's been there before this, another place, another tapas place she wants to go. And she tells him that, and he says, Oh, okay, we'll go there. And they go there. And, you know, he's a little bit feels like he didn't, you know, do the planning good enough because she'd been there already. And then she feels like I, I already took over and things can kind of start rolling on the wrong track right from the beginning. And it's hard for the guy at that point. I'm not saying it's impossible to kind of lay down the law. What he could say is something like, great, let's go there next time. But I made reservations here. I'd yeah. really like to try this place myself. And then she, she would hopefully respect that. But some of these uh, behavioral patterns are, are, or, uh, you know, get seated right at the beginning. And the, the longer they go on for, the tougher it, is to, tougher it is to get out of them. And then, then you do have to kind of, you know, get a little bit stern. The other thing, the other thought I had is that, you know, I, I, I do disagree with you on this one point. I think, you know, a woman has to, you know, uh, she has her survival instincts at work and all of that. But, you know, when a football player plays football, he's in a violent game, but he can't be the exact same way when he's not on the field. So I think all of us have to learn how to, you know, we have a, a spectrum, a, uh, you know, a continuum of our, how we behave in certain situations. And uh, I think it is possible to dial down the, you know, the alpha woman uh, aspect a little bit. If you're going out, if you want to be like more lady, you know, you want to attract a guy's guy and you want to be a little more quote unquote ladylike, you know, it's something that the, the, the coaches that I've talked to all address and say, you know, they try to work with the ladies on that. It's not changing them. It's not neutering them. It's not diluting them. It's just, just having them understand that, you know, you don't, the dating game thing isn't, isn't quite as serious as survival. Like, I like the game Survivor on TV. No, I, listen, it is survival because you can always get a new career, but if you have one major relationship that ends in a nasty divorce where you lose half your stuff and don't see your kids and your kids end up in drugs and then in therapy, I got news for you. A lousy relationship can affect your life more negatively than a lousy career. I see dating as life and death. I mean, maybe I'm very extreme on that. I probably am. But I'm also coming from a background where I ended up suicidal because I couldn't figure it out. And I, I, you know, it's like, look, a great career is, is fantastic and so on, but you can always find a new career, but you can't always find the kind of relationship that's going to support you for years to come, even when things are rough. Uh, especially if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're in the employee category. Um, you're going to have a great career for a number of years, and then something changes in the economy, and you're starting from scratch again. So in terms of, in terms of dialing it down, I think we're talking in specific behaviors, sure. If someone, is, uh, if someone doesn't have a little bit of a filter when they speak and they don't calibrate to a situation, well, that's not going to make them friends in the business world either. Uh, but in terms of, if you can give me a specific example that we could chew on, I'm up for that. Uh, what, I don't, what I don't think works is telling people you have to completely change who you are. Look, some people don't want, and when I coach for alternative lifestyles, everything from strict monogamy to consensual non-monogamy, you can't force a person into a lifestyle that is counter their core values. And this is where I think that, people need to be careful 
that they aren't adopting a new way of being that is counter to a core value. You have to look at what their core values are and work within those parameters. Yeah, I would agree on the core values, but nobody's suggesting that they don't be who they are. But, you know, there's a different version of you when you go to church or wherever versus when you're playing on the football field. Um, so the behavior has to be a little, you know, you have to, we're all a little bit flexible. I also would say that, you know, on the, in the, it comes to the dating game, one of the biggest, I think if you want to align yourself with the uh, opportunity to connect with the right people, that you have to have a, you have to come from a, a fun spirit. And um, when things are, you know, if it's all or nothing with one woman or whatever, uh, you know, you talked about choice at the beginning of the show where, you know, one of the issues is everybody has so much choice. Well, there's a positive side of choice, too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fish in the sea. So sometimes if it doesn't work out with one person, there's a, there's a whole world out there. And the interconnectivity through technology and online dating and all of that, it's a you know, it's a it's it's. It, it's good and it's uh, it sometimes it's not so good because it's too much choice. But if you can manage the choice, you can have a heck of a great time and you can start to learn about more about yourself, what you want, what you don't want in a partner. And that can, can, can be a really good thing. So what's your thoughts, Frank, about um, online dating and technology and how do you uh, advise your clients on that? My advice, my client, that every way is a good way to meet somebody. Every way is a good way, whether it's online, in person, through friends, through uh, organizations that you may set up. If you can't find a social group that caters to a particular interest of yours, start one. Every way is a good way to meet somebody. The problem is not the medium of how you meet someone. The problem is always stemming from the person and whether or not they're willing to put themselves out there in an honest way. So let me give you a clear example with online dating. Okay. In online dating, sometimes people write a profile where they really want to sit on the fence. I like going out, but I also like staying home. And I like going for long walks, but I also like to sit and watch the sunset. I love going out to parties with my friends, but I also enjoy a quiet evening just watching a DVD. Okay, I'm dating myself here with the DVD reference. But you get get what I'm saying, right? They're, They're just trying to play both sides. Okay. That is going to attract somebody who's also just trying to sit on the fence. You know why people sit on the fence? Because they're afraid. You get two afraid people who get together. You, can you spell disaster? You're better off when you go into an online profile and say, look, this is my situation. These are the things that I'm looking for. Forget your preferences. Give me the absolutes. Okay, give me the absolutes. Don't tell me that, well, I prefer someone that is, has this physical attribute. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Give me the absolute parameters, the things that, um, let's say uh, you don't have a problem dating a smoker. Then you don't even need to mention it. But let's say you have um, a lung disease of some kind. Let's say you have asthma or sleep apnea or something. Uh, no smokers. And right. you, need to be, and you need to be with a non-smoker, so that's something you would include in an online profile. Mm-hmm. The same Got way it. you would include that in a couple of conversations on a first date because this is a must-have. Most people have not identified their must-haves. I've, I've sometimes coached with a client where they, you know, um, I'll give you one example. I was coaching a woman, and she was saying how much she loved animals. And the guy that she had, had to be with had to love animals, too, because there's no way that she would go without having a pet. She really loves animals, and she went on about a 10-minute tirade 
about how the guy she had to be with loves animals. I said, okay, well, what happens if you meet a guy fall in love, but it turns out he has an allergy? What do you think her answer was at that point? Just take a guess. Well, do you think she said, oh, well, I'm sticking to my rule. I, you know, I, I have to have animals. Tell or us, do you right. think she says, well, us, he has a... She says, well, if he has an allergy, then yeah, I guess I won't, you know, we'll, we'll do without the pets. And right there, she spent 10 minutes on a tirade for something that turns out wasn't that important. And, I, and I'm not trying to pick on her, and I'm not trying to pick on women. We all do this. Before anybody reaches a point of true self-awareness, we've all done this. We've all fo- focused on things that we thought were absolutes, when in the end... Yeah, maybe they really liked it, but it wasn't as important as all these other things. When I'm coaching a single parent, and this becomes really relevant, so if there's any single parents out there listening, please pay attention to this. If you make a list of your ideal partner, and then you make a list of your ideal step-parent for your current children, if they are not the exact same qualifications on both lists, there's a hypocrisy there. There's confusion there you're going to end up making a mistake. Because if what you want and you say, my ideal partner would be list A, but I'm a single parent, and the person that I'm going to be with is going to be a step-parent to my kids, and these are the attributes I, I really need to have, well, when you go out into the dating world, if you're trying to fulfill list A, you're going to continually end up disappointed because what your needs are are list B because of your situation. Okay. Um, let's just pivot for a moment because we've got to wrap up soon. Um, you, you work with, you're one of the only, if not the only uh, dating expert that I've talked to who um, works with, uh, has like virgins as a specialty uh, in terms of uh, yeah. an area. Uh, talk to us about that. I find it fascinating. Is it a, is it okay, a, is it a widespread issue? I would say 25% of my clientele are adult-aged virgins, never had a boyfriend, what, never had age, a girlfriend. Like over 25? Um, over 25. Well, I don't work with children. Okay. I don't work with teenagers. They they have to be at least uh, 22 because I don't like working with anybody uh, even 21. Um, they have to be at least 22. And I've coached virgins from age 22 all the way into their late 60s. And... Uh, I even wrote a book about it, the Adult Male Virgin Handbook. I did a four-hour seminar on it that you can buy as an audio product on my website, franktalks.com. How did I get into this? Remember all of those friends of friends that were coming to me for help and I was helping for free? And I journaled everything? Well, I found a significant number of them were men in their 20s and 30s and 40s who had never had a girlfriend. Uh, maybe a, a small percentage of them went to a prostitute at some point in their lives. Was not a, it was not a positive experience. It was more just to try it, and they ended up feeling so bad after that, um, you know, emotionally speaking, they were still virgins. Uh, it's more men than women that struggle with this, uh, whereas women are on the receiving end of sexual attention, so there's more opportunity for them if they ever want to try and experiment at some point in their lives. Uh, for men, they generally have to work for sex in one way or another. Um, and what we're dealing with is people who, they, they don't want to pay for sex, okay? They may have done it at some point in their lives, but a small percentage of them have. They, what they want more than anything, they don't want to just have sex. They want to make love. 
they want a girlfriend, they want a life partner. Some of them wanted a specific girl to go after that, that just sees them as a friend. Um, and again, I wasn't looking to specialize in this. It's just that I've helped so many of them, and because I journaled everything, I noticed a lot of common traits. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot what of these they? young men, let's Number one, they grew up in an environment with a very dominant mother and a very passive father, sometimes a very absent father. So the goal became must-please mommy, getting into the habit of always seeking mommy's approval because mommy's approval meant love and protection and support. Then they try to carry that behavior pattern into their love life, and it turns women off because Mm -hmm. the rule for women when it comes to emotional needs She's either your mother or she's your lover. She cannot be both. And no woman is going to be attracted to a man that she feels she has to mother. That's why women, given the choice, will choose the bad boys and the jerks over the really nice guys. Because the nice guys trigger that mothering instinct in her, whereas the bad boys and the, and the jerks, they halt that mothering instinct. <laughs> are they too point. aggressive? Are they, are they too <laughs> assertive? Yes. But here, that's the trade-off. Does she want to be with a guy that makes her feel like his mother and therefore is an automatic turnoff? Or is she going to be with the jerk that makes her feel like a potential lover because he halts the mothering instinct? Don't ever tell me what to do. We're going to do this instead. I don't really care what you think right now. Whoa, that's crossing a line. Yeah, but what, I'll be with the guy who at least addresses my need for assertiveness, and every now and then I know that he's going to go too far, than to be with the nice guy who makes her feel that she's like being with her own younger brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, good answer. Um, yeah. What's the number last, last thing, Frank, um, your best piece of advice for today's men who are dating and for today's women. Best piece of advice. Know what you want very specifically, write out a life plan, how you want to live during your retirement, what you want to happen to your remains after you're gone, uh, where you want to live and how you want to live day-to-day, whether it's a consensual, non-monogamous relationship, a monogamous relationship. Be as specific as possible. Let me know everything in terms of where you want a vacation and so on. Once you have that life set, test yourself. Make sure that's really the life you want, that's the life you can handle. Uh, The fantasy of seeing your partner be with somebody else may be really great, until it actually happens, and then, of course, you, you walk away thinking, oh, the person reacted better than when they are with me. Uh, know what you want, and then find somebody to fulfill that role. Because trying to fit someone that is not interested into that future lifestyle of yours, that, that's where people make a big, the biggest mistake. You know, the secret of seduction is that it happens in the future. If you can fantasize having me in your future then I have truly seduced you. Okay, let's leave it at that. Um, Frank Kermit, thank you for visiting Guys Guys Radio. Tell our audience about um, where they can learn more about you, get your e-books, learn more about your emotional needs analysis, etc. You're going to find everything, including the media appearances I've uh, had, the articles I've written, all of my e-books, the newsletter, the audio programs. Everything is at one spot, franktalks.com. I'm really easy to find, franktalks with an S.com. See you there. Look me up, and I'll talk to you later.
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Frank, and uh, enjoy Montreal, and uh, really pleasure speaking with you today, and uh, all the best to you. I like the fact that you have a specific point of view, specific ideas, and uh, you have conviction in your, in your viewpoint, so uh, keep doing the good work. All the best, sir. Be well. All right, thanks. Okay, folks, as our special guest, Frank Kermit, calling in from uh, Montreal, Canada, onto Guys Guys Radio. Um, we're going to take a very brief break, and then we're going to come back and do our Guys Guys Guys. So hang in there for one moment. Okay, we're back. Uh, guys, guys, guide. For this evening, we're going to talk about um, Thanksgiving. And we kind of touched on it when I was talking to Frank. Um, you know, when you get to Thanksgiving, we're always thankful for our family and the food and uh, the fact that we got where we're going safely. And sometimes it's good also to think about the things you're thankful for uh, that didn't happen or the things you're thankful for that happened that you didn't think you wanted to happen, but in the long run turned out to be a good thing. I've been into some long-term relationships and uh, probably kept a couple going longer than they should have. And it's my own fault. I didn't step up and I ended up getting dumped. And uh, of course I was hurt at the time. One in particular was long-term couple of, you know, about eight years or so. And, uh, at the time, it hurt very much. And then time went by, and I licked my wounds, and I had to figure out, well, what did I do wrong, and what was I doing wrong? And I realized that uh, a couple of things. I wasn't paying attention, uh, and, uh, and I also uh, needed to make room in my heart for somebody else before I could really have a true life partner. So that's what I did, and it took me a few years after that breakup to... Uh, I went out and dated and uh, met other people, and it was it was good to get back out there. It was good to spend some time with myself, and uh, you know there were some lonely moments, of course, but it turned out to be a good thing, and I ended up meeting the person that I'm with now, my wife of uh, seven years, and we have a lovely young son, and I couldn't ask for a better or a more happy ending than the one I have right now and the life I'm living. So uh, I guess the point is to you know. Sometimes things happen that we don't think are good for us or we really don't like, but you have to be thankful for experiences in general because there's, you always have the choice to learn. Uh, you always have a choice. You have free will. So how you uh, take a situation is based on your own choices. And if you keep your choices in the, an open-minded area – I think you'll find that um, your flexibility and being uh, able to look beyond what initially might be a hurt into what the opportunity could be can take you a long way. So things aren't, as, as our guest Frank said, things aren't always necessarily what they seem to be, um, but it can be, that can be a good thing. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be doom and gloom. Bad things can happen to you, but those bad things can turn into really good things and it can be really good stepping stones. So that's my gift to you, if you will, for Thanksgiving. And it's been a gift to me by experiencing some of the things I didn't want to experience, but turned out to be better for me. I'll give you one more example. About three years ago, I had a surprise diagnosis. I had some issues with my kidneys. I was completely taken by surprise. I had two robotic surgeries. It's three years ago. I'm in perfect health. Um, and in retrospect, it was a blessing because it made me re uh, view my, 
my lifestyle, my decisions, how I handle every day, what I'm most appreciative of, the little things, the big things, how not to take a lot of things too seriously, um, and what to take more seriously. So it's all about your choices. And we have free will. So with every moment, we make a choice as to where we want to put our psychic energy and our, our body energy. So uh, be thankful. Be thankful for each day we're here together and be thankful for uh, being here right now. So that's our Guys Guys show for this week. Uh, that's my Guys Guys guide to you. I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, safe traveling tomorrow and at the end of the weekend, and uh, enjoy your food, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family. Uh, next week, we're back on Wednesday night. We have another male relationship expert. Greg Schwartz is going to be with us. And remember what I always like to say at the end of the show. Guys, guys, finish first.